big week in the game of golf with multiple tours in action. The PGA Tour moves from Hawaii to Southern California for the American Express. First round coverage Thursday, 3 p.m. Eastern time. The LPGA gets underway first on Thursday with the season opening Hilton Grand Vacations. Tournament of Champions in Orlando. First round coverage at noon Thursday on Golf Channel. Golf today starts now. Golf today. Golf today on a Wednesday. Damon Hack alongside Eamon Lynch. Golf Week magazine. A season opener on the LPGA Tour. A season opener. A reason to celebrate. Should be yes, and hopefully by the end of the week we will be. It does have the best field uh, that we've seen in a while. You know, we've got champions from last year on the LPGA Tour, and hopefully we'll be celebrating the drama on the golf course by the end of the week. But right now it seems some drama has broken out inside the clubhouse. The story is brewing in Orlando. As mentioned, the 2023 LPGA season kicks off at Lake Nona Golf and Country Club in Orlando, Florida, with the Hilton Grand Vacations Tournament of Champions. As you said, Eamon, fantastic field of, of winners of champions. Daniel Kang is a defending champ. You got major champ like Brooke Henderson. You got some baseball royalty as well. John Smoltz, Josh Donaldson, Nellie Corda, former world number one with the fireballer Derek Lowe and Jack Wagner a great singer and actor as well now the story in Orlando has shifted away from golf and toward player accommodations last night Golf Week senior writer Beth Ann Nichols published a piece detailing a lack of locker room access for the players in the field this week according to an LPGA tour official due to the setup and hospitality the men's locker room had to remain open to the public to utilize restrooms and they were unable to create a private and secure locker room for the LPGA players a plan was in place to order lockers for the week and use an area on the lower level of the clubhouse next to player dining for players in the field however the tour itself changed course. We do have a statement from the LPGA released today. Player accommodations at the Hilton Grand Vacations has been an incredible partner in supporting the LPGA to expand and enhance amenities and accommodations for our players. With the return of hospitality this year, the tournament informed us that due to a need for public bathrooms, there would not be a private and secure locker room available for the LPGA players this week. There was an option presented to have temporary lockers added to a space within the clubhouse that did not include a bathroom area. Due to a prioritization of space for other player uses, our tournament team made the decision that it was not in the best interest of the players and the event to pursue that option. Players have access to a locker room, although the space is not entirely private. We are always open to player feedback and work with our tournament partners to allocate a finite space. We will continue to do so and work with our amazing partners from Hilton Grand Vacations moving forward. And Amy Rogers joins us now from Orlando, Florida. Amy, when were the lockers first canceled? Hey there, Damon. Well, I had a chance to speak with Aaron Stewart, the executive director of the Hilton Grand Vacations Tournament of Champions, earlier today to provide a little clarity and answer some of these questions. Let me give you a little lay of the land in answering this question. The clubhouse here behind me, the Lake Nona Clubhouse, is two levels. So that top level, the second level, was completely secured for players and their families. Now, this is where lockers were originally planned to be brought in to be put on this level. Stewart tells me that these lockers were canceled by the LPGA on January 11th. That was just last Wednesday. He said the reason given was that these lockers were then going to be on this second level 
The first level is where the showers and the ladies' locker room that's a part of the club is actually located, and the LPGA didn't like the idea of them being on two separate levels. What's the solution going to be here, Amy? What are they doing going forward in this situation? Yeah, Stuart told me this morning that they're actually having lockers being brought in. Three dozen lockers are being delivered here to the club today. They'll be here by 1.30 this afternoon. That's enough lockers for not only the 29 LPGA participants in the field, but also the female celebrity participants that are also here. So there'll be enough lockers for all of them. All of those lockers will be put in that first level I just spoke about, which is in the club's uh, locker room where the ladies normally have their lockers. Those lockers were actually recently damaged uh, due to flooding with Hurricane Ian and so those lockers were removed. Those lockers had been made available I'm told for uh, these players when they played in this event last year but have since been removed due to the flooding. Logistically Amy what will this all look like? Yeah, so they'll have the convenience of obviously now having a storage option and it being on the same level as the showers. However, this first floor is not entirely secure. On this first level, you also have the men's locker room. So this area is being utilized by the male celebrities in the field. I'm also told that there is a hospitality option that some people are able to buy that gives them access to this first floor as well. So while there is a solution here that players will now have a storage option for some of their personal items, while they're out on the golf course, they'll do so knowing that there are a number of different individuals that will also have access to this first level. Amy Rogers reporting on this breaking story at Lake Nona in Orlando, Florida. Amy Lynch, what do you make of this story? I feel like we ended 2022 with a bit of controversy with the players uh, and a sponsor at the CME Group Tour Championship, and now we start the year with this story. Yeah, this is evidence that Good decisions go unnoticed and bad decisions get a lot of attention and this was simply a bad decision by the LPGA Tour to cancel that locker. It's, you, you can't have a situation where you have the best players on your tour showing up to a tournament and to be told that there is no locker access to them. And they've, they've now solved, well actually Hilton Grand Vacations has solved, the LPGA Tour has not solved, but the sponsor has solved the issue around storage. The issue around security and privacy kind of remains an open question mark. Because, as Amy just pointed out, they, a lot of people have access to the areas that are normally secured for players to leave stuff. And players travel with a lot of valuable stuff. You know, trackmans mm. cost $20,000. You're not going to leave that in an area that's unsecured. So are we going to have this situation where the best players on the LPGA Tour are having to schlep back and forward to the car park to leave something in the trunk of their car? It just seems as though there wasn't a particularly striking degree of foresight on part of the LPGA Tour here. It's a bad look. These are 29 players, not 144 players. 29 players, your best players. Folks, this is the equivalent of Maui and the Century Tournament of Champions. This is supposed to be a celebration and a kickoff event, but when you listen to the players in the article written by Beth Ann Nichols and what they have to say, Ryan O'Toole, I'm not mad at the club. I'm not mad at the sponsor. I'm mad at the LPGA for this being an overlooked factor. Matilda Castron saying you, you should have a certain standard that you expect. I texted a two-time major champ, Brittany Lincecum, who told me this is not the first time on tour that this has happened. I texted Christina Kim, said this is not the first time on tour that this has happened outside of COVID. I find it a remarkable oversight considering 
what the connotation of a locker room means in the history of our sport. And it has not always been positive. Players throughout history, by their sex or their color of their skin, have not been allowed in locker rooms. So just the even the whiff of something untoward happening for 29 of your best players on a, on a facility, by the way, which I've been to, which is a huge lot of acres, a lot of land. It's just, it, it's a stunning oversight as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, it's not that difficult to summon in a trailer when you're in something. Florida to actually have an accommodation here. But it would seem that the players in the field were ranked fairly down the list of prioritization here in terms of their accommodations. And you mentioned the, the issue that finished 2022 at the CME Group Tour Championship when the CEO of the CME Group, Terry Duffy, held a dinner and asked the players who were in attendance supporting the event mm. to stand up and none of them were there. And that created a very public brouhaha at the time. And the commissioner of the LPGA Tour publicly apologized to Terry Duffy at the time. But when you have that situation where you have alienated a sponsor to end one season, and then you're starting the next season where you are creating friction with players and, frankly, friction with the tournament because now Hilton Grand Vacations is having to resolve mm. this issue. And the, the tour statement talked about their great partnership, but it didn't do much to assuage this perception out there that the LPGA Tour doesn't do details very well. We have lauded the LPGA Tour and women's golf for the access to great golf courses. We have lauded the LPGA Tour for the increased purses. Uh, Brittany Linscombe telling me, listen, we're trying to grow the game and make it better, but stuff like this just sets us right back. There is a tremendous groundswell of support out there for, for women's golf and for the LPGA Tour. The organizational capacity of that tour to capitalize on that groundswell of support, I think, is in some question. Well, the journalist who wrote this story, our good friend Bethann Nichols of Golf Week magazine. Bethann, how did this story first come to your attention that something was amiss? Well, I, I, I got a, a tip on, on social media, as you sometimes do, and a direct message that uh, that this was the case. And I, as soon as I got here yesterday on property, I started to investigate more and, and ask questions. And, and really, you know, I think there was a, a, a few things at play here beyond the locker room, of course, the confusion about when players can and can't practice. I think communication is so important, not only, you know, between the, the tour officials themselves and the sponsors, but also what they communicate to the players. And then obviously, as Matilda Castron said, as you referenced earlier, there should be a standard at every event. There should be a private place that players can go to that's secure to take a shower, use the facilities and lock up their stuff. I feel like, you know, this is 2023. This is a non-negotiable in my eyes. Bethann, it looked as though there were some lockers being literally shipped onto the property uh, as you spoke. Has this happened before? You've been covering the LPGA for a long time. Uh, not, not that I'm aware of that lockers have been delivered in real time midweek, but, uh, but you know, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm still not satisfied because, you know, as, as Amy Rogers alluded to earlier, this isn't just for players. Other, other folks, other hospitality VIPs can, can access this area. And I really think the locker room should be an oasis for players to, to collect their thoughts, to get ready for the first tee, do, to do whatever it is that they need to do. I think, I think uh, tour officials owe that. You think it's what's lost here, Bethann, is a perception of what the locker room actually means in this sport? Because it's not just simply a place 
to throw a bag or a wallet and walk out onto the golf course. And the history of locker room access in this sport has also spoken loudly to who is welcome or who is respected in this sport. And this situation here for a tournament of champions doesn't seem to be big on respect. Well, you know, as a veteran player said to me, you know, when I arrived at a site, the locker room situation told me a lot about the week. And if we were in the men's locker room, I automatically felt like, okay, this club is really supporting us. They're really happy that we're here. And if there was a note in, in my locker from, from the member, you know, wishing me luck for the week, you know, even better. And so, you know, I think when we do see players, the tour go to these great you know, sites for the first time, a question I often ask is, you know, did you get to use the men's locker room? <laughs> because we all know what that means. And it, it symbolizes something. It's also the nicer locker room. <laughs> so, so for players to get to utilize that rather than hospitality, for the members to give that up, it means something. I noticed earlier Annika Sorenstam, who's a member at Lake Nona, was asked about this story. She said it was disappointing that this had become the story. Does that, in a way, kind of symbolize what part of the issue is with the LPGA Tour in situations like this that we saw at the CME Group Tour Championship, is that the disappointment is the story is out there, that, that you're actually reporting on it. And this kind of circle the wagons mentality takes over that it shouldn't really be reported on if it's unflattering? You know, I think Annika is probably in a particularly tough situation just because she actually lives here and has for for decades now. But but you're right. I think you know players should should understand that this is this is part of it. You know, this happens in every organization, every league. You know, people are their mistakes are going to be made, and sometimes the only way to really bring about change and to bring about change in a in a quick way, as we see the lockers being delivered here, <laughs> is is for it to air out publicly. You know, if if, if players, if people feel like they're not getting what they want when they do talk to officials, that the answer that's coming back to them isn't satisfactory, that this happened last year as well, you know, sometimes you say, well, I've, I, I think we need to, to go public with this because I've reached my breaking point. You know, every player has a different breaking point, a different time when she feels like enough is enough. And, and you know, I, I do think that when we think back to what the founders had to go through and what they continually had to push for, there shouldn't be a mentality that in today's present day and age, you know, we're, we're just grateful to have what we have. I still think you need to push. Bethann, you wrote about Terry Duffy's disappointment at the lack of players at the CME Group Tour Championship at the end of the LPGA season in 2022. And you talked about maybe a lack of communication. Is this a similar situation that just boils down to a lack of communication between parties, be it the LPGA and, and the tournament director or the LPGA and the members? Oh, absolutely. I think within the organization as well, the fact that the commissioner wasn't aware of the situation until I started asking questions about it yesterday is problematic. I think this should have been a, the sort of situation that, that rose to the level of the commissioner. Uh, this wasn't a decision made because of COVID, which we've seen in, in, in recent years, but instead this had to do with, with hospitality and, and access to public bathrooms. So I think she should have been made aware of it. Her team should have let her know, you know, and, and ultimately when when we look at player responsibility, you know, what happened at the CME, I, you know, 
the players, you know, needed to let people know communication that they weren't going to be coming to the to the dinner for whatever reason. You know, I mean, everybody has to play their their part here, and it's not just you know the 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 tour side or the player side. And and communication in this day and age is is so critical because you know every sponsor is so is so critical to the LPGA. What part is being played by the commissioner, Molly Marcus-Saman, here, Beth-Ann? Are you seeing her out there trying to handle this situation? Is she talking to players who might have uh, an issue with how this has been handled or presented to them? I know some players who aren't here have reached out to her. Um, I, I saw her in passing when I was when I was on my way uh, to, to to go do a hit, <laughs> but um, but I actually haven't had a chance to speak with her. I mean, obviously, I, I asked some questions about it yesterday, but um, you know, I was hoping that there would be a uh, "this will never happen again" statement that came out yesterday. That that you know, we appreciate everything that our sponsors do for us. There, a ball was dropped here that that this wasn't available to our players. And going forward, we will make sure that they have that safe and, and private, secure place uh, at, at every stop. I, I was hoping something like that would, would have been said yesterday, but it wasn't. Beth Ann Nichols, who wrote the story in Golf Week magazine on site at Lake Nona in Orlando. Eamon, the communication aspect of this, I feel like it was five minutes ago when we were talking about that dinner uh, at Naples, Florida, and the CME Group Tour Championship. And, and here we are again. How much does this hurt the image, even in the short term? of the LPGA during one of the most important weeks once again of the year. It's a story that will, in the fullness of time, be quickly forgotten except by other sponsors out there and by players and, and just creating this perception that not, not enough T's are being crossed and I's dotted when it comes to the organizational and communications aspects of the, the LPGA Tour. And that's also going to reflect on, on the commissioner, whether she's directly involved in this or was aware of it, it doesn't really matter. The buck stops with Molly Marcus-Saman in this situation. And she said at a press conference last year that in the fall that she was going to focus on the little things, that she was aware of the situation that had developed with Terry Duffy, the CEO of the CME Group, and how that bruised feelings down there. And to Beth Ann's point, every sponsor is critically important here. And Hilton Vic Grand Vacations is no less important sure. than Terry Duffy and the CME group. But here we are now essentially two tournaments in a row where situations are being created where it reflects poorly on the sponsor as much as it does on the LPGA Tour itself. And a situation here at Lake Nona in Orlando where the sponsor is stepping in with the solution because yeah. of the embarrassment factor here. The, the Tour made a decision a week ago to create this situation by being aware of what the locker situation was and not acting upon it. And it has fallen to Aaron Stewart and Hilton Grand Vacations here to say this is how we're going to resolve this today. Even the resolution doesn't reflect well on the LPGA Tour. I'm struck at what Beth Ann Nichols said about players arriving to tournaments you know, throughout the years and knowing how the week will go or at least how they feel by their place in that clubhouse, by their place in that locker room. Mm -hmm. What locker room do we have access to? That's important. These are professional athletes. These could happen on the PGA Tour. Are you kidding me? It, it wouldn't. It wouldn't happen. No. It just the, the players wouldn't allow for it. And I just to hear from Christina Kim, this has happened before. Brittany Lindsay, this has happened before. To me, it's stunning. It just the game has come a long way from some very dark times as far as race relations and, and gender relations as well.
even when professionals weren't allowed in the clubhouse because they were deemed to be Correct. below the members. And Lee Elder having to change his shoes in the locker, or not in the locker room, in the, in the parking lot, and not able to have his you know, trophy ceremony when he won the Monsanto Open to get into the 1975 Masters, had to have that trophy ceremony inside the clubhouse and not on the 18th green because of fear of a, of a death threat. I was alive when that happened. Yeah. It's not that long ago, and I just think that golf has to do better. You've got to keep your eye on the ball in a situation like this where you're talking about the good things and the growth and the increased purses and the better golf courses. You can't forget the, the smaller details down below as well because they matter. And even in this situation where, as Amy pointed out, the, the women's locker room was damaged by storms and creates a logistical hassle, given all of that history in this game, the, there has to be an awareness on the part of the tournament organisers at the LPGA Tour that you do not want to put the club mm. or your sponsor in the position of being attached to the ugly history. Of this game yeah and that's what's happened here and it's clearly it doesn't rise to the level of the discrimination that has defined so much Correct. of this game for years but it, it points out a lack of foresight awareness. and a lack of awareness yes here that you've not only created a bad look for your own tour you've created a situation for your players where they're embarrassed by it and you've embarrassed the club that is hosting you and you've embarrassed the sponsor. Messaging matters and symbolism matters as well. A story will continue to follow on this Wednesday. Still to come on Golf Today, much more on the story out of Lake Nona as the LPGA Tour gets set to begin its 2023 season. And there we see locker rooms being put up there at Lake Nona Golf and Country Club. Paige McKenzie joins us next. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. And back on Golf Today, a reminder, the LPGA season does kick off this week. You can catch live first-round coverage of the Hilton Grand Vacations Tournament of Champions Thursday, noon Eastern time, right here on Golf Channel. But the big story today, lockers arriving at Lake Nona after Golf Week senior writer Beth Ann Niggles published a piece detailing a lack of locker room access for the players in the field this week. 
And our Paige McKenzie joins us now from Lake Nona. Paige, as a player, what stands out to you most about this odd situation? Uh, it seems like it was an oversight. Uh, and to be fair, it's amazing to see how well and quickly they have addressed the situation. Uh, and it's hard to believe that it kind of was overlooked at this point. I heard Beth Ann and I heard Amy's reports, and it does seem as though there should be a standard that of what a player should expect on site. I agree with that statement, but I also don't want this to be overblown. Uh, I heard you guys speak at the end of the last segment as it relates to uh, potentially what this means for women in sports and, and potential discrimination, and this would never have happened on the PGA Tour. It's good to remember that this event used to be with the Champions Tour, and this sponsor and this tournament wanted to make it LPGA only. They appreciate the athletes that are here, uh, obviously are trying to remedy the situation as, as quickly as possible, but I don't want this to be looked at as well, I don't, anyway, look at it as a more global statement of where we are in this game. No, I definitely think it, it, it strikes a chord more of, a, of lack of attention to detail mm. as opposed to an issue of discrimination. Mm. It, when you were out there playing on tour, page, what were the accommodations generally like? Was there a standard that you say you'd like to see, or was it a little bit more unreliable than that? Uh, typically, we had good access to a locker room. It was sometimes the women's locker room uh, in combination with the men's locker room. And I heard what Beth Dayan said about uh, when women got the men's locker room, they were pretty excited because oftentimes it was better. I think most golfers can appreciate that and have experienced that maybe in their own home clubs because typically the greater number of members are on the men's side. And usually we were put in the men's locker room strictly based on that that they had enough lockers to accommodate the 140-some women that would be playing. Uh, they managed to put little room dividers or plants around the urinals so you did not see them. Uh, they tried to make it as homey and comfortable as possible for the women. And I think the vast majority of tournaments, I, I can say that that was my experience. Uh, there's been a few exceptions where they had to do a locker room build-out. I was thinking of the, the Founders' Cup when it was at the JW Marriott in Phoenix, it was at a hotel that did not have the kind of locker room that would be at a private club. And they took a conference room and they brought in lockers and they made that uh, a makeshift locker room. Now I will say, for most players, the locker room is not a place that they linger. It's a place where you put some of your belongings before you go out on the golf course. It's where you may store your, your umbrella and your rain gear. It's where your club manufacturer might put golf balls or new equipment that you're testing. Um, so that piece, of course, is missing. And even in the conference room, it, it kind of mixes it up a little bit because you're not exactly changing in a conference room around other people. It's more of a, a place to put your things. What did it mean to you, the locker room? What did it represent to you beyond a place to, to put your keys and your wallet? Was there something more symbolic? Just to you personally, what did it represent? it was symbolic so much as it was just the practical aspect of if there was a rain a rain out lightning and thunder and you were near the clubhouse you were shuttled in and that was a place that you could hang out without being disturbed uh, before and after the round if you need to take a quiet moment to go over your notes or uh, think about your round or any of those quiet things that you had a place to do that other than your car uh, so I, I, th I certainly think it serves a practical purpose. I certainly think this was an oversight that should be corrected in the future to give and make sure that there is a standard that every 
place that a player goes will have that secure and quiet place to be able to reflect and, and keep things while they're out on the golf course other than their vehicle. Paige, it's worth noting that this oversight is being corrected right now. It's being corrected by the sponsors mm -hmm. and the club to bring in the lockers that we see being shipped in at the moment. Back when the CME Group Tour Championship had that little mini eruption over the dinner and the absence of players at the dinner, you made a very strong point on the show that the LPGA Tour needs to be conscious of the support of its important sponsors and to not create situations mm -hmm. or allow situations to happen that yeah. embarrass those uh, sponsors. Are you concerned that there's a, a trend emerging here that is, uh, not enough attention is being paid mm -hmm. to that kind of detail? I'm concerned because I feel like we're noticing it because of maybe what happened. So all of a sudden, every little aspect becomes more noticeable because you wonder if it is a trend. Um, I think in the case of, of this, it, it, it's worth providing some context that during COVID, during 2020, there was no locker rooms available to the players at any of the tournaments. So to ask 29 players at a tournament of champions to say, hey, we may not have that kind of secure space, it's not that far removed from what they've experienced or dealt with in the past. Uh, I'm not going to get in the minds of the tournament uh, decision makers, but I would I, I think it's important to understand the context that this has happened before throughout the entire COVID year. And those lockers being erected as we speak at Lake Nona Golf and Country Club. We appreciate the time and reporting of our own Paige McKenzie. We're coming up, we're going to switch some tours right here. We're going to check in with the APGA Tours Player of the Year, Kamaya Johnson. He's in the field for the Farmers Insurance Invitational at Torrey Pines later this month. Stay with us. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Golf Central Update, brought to you by Callaway Golf. Back on golf today, folks. The APGA Tour was created to bring greater diversity to golf. Initiatives include hosting and operating pro tournaments and 
Farmers Insurance Invitational will be played at Torrey Pines final round on Golf Channel at the end of this month. And one of the players who plays on the APGA Tour, Kamaya Johnson, Tallahassee, Florida native, took up the game as an eighth grade dropout after a golf course GM spotted him swinging a stick near the golf course back in 2007, made his Corn Ferry Tour debut in 2021, as well as three PGA Tour appearances that year. In August, Kamai hit a 97-yard bunker shot to a foot for a birdie on the final hole to win the APGA Tour Championship. Fired a final round five under 67 to win $50,000 and earn the top spot on the APGA Tour. A little more about Kamaya. Four wins on the APGA Tour in the last couple of years. The 2022 APGA Tour Player of the Year. Three wins on the season and won a record $50,000 first prize, as mentioned. And Kamaya joins us on this Wednesday. Your story's been front and center in golf for the last couple of years. The struggles you faced as a youngster chasing a pro career now. What's that adjustment been like for you with more eyeballs on you? Yeah, I mean, it's all I ever inspired to do. I mean, honestly, when I used to sit on the range and watch Brooks Kepka and Daniel Berg and all those guys at Florida State hit balls, I mean, um, it really just it, it inspired me to dream. Um, and uh, that's all I've ever wanted to do was inspire others as well and get others in the game of golf. And, and golf saved my life. So it's a, it's a huge – it was a huge impact on my life. And I just want others to see the feeling um, that golf can bring. You certainly made a huge impact last year, Kamalia. You won multiple times on the APGA. You were the player of the year. You won the season-long Lexus Cup. You won the biggest first prize in the history of the Tour. How has that reset your goals for how you enter this year? Yeah, I mean, really, I like the, the thing is being an ambassador for, you know, Farmers Insurance and Cisco and, and Cambridge Mobile Telematics. It's just allowed me to have the resources to be able to grind. Um, so just I have a you know team, a trainer, a psychologist, a swing coach, um, all of those things that are allowing me to get better, you know, quicker. Um, and that's all I've just been working on is, is doing my part, you know, just doing my part of getting better and, and being disciplined and being intentional with everything that I'm doing. Um, so just yeah, so I just I, I you know started playing PGA Tour Latino America this this December and. Um, it just opened my eyes to a lot to, you know, to I've never been on a tour that you've been able to, you know, play week in and week out seven rounds a week. Um, so just continue to learn. Um, that's all you can ever do in this game is, is try to continue to learn and try to get better. Well, you say golf saved your life. What do you mean? Yeah, I mean, I'm an eighth grade dropout, you know, um, statistically, you know, I'm not supposed to be here where I'm at. And but golf um golf you know saved me and 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 got me around mentors and people that really changed my perspective on life and changed my trajectory of of my life and and golf you know I grew up in a two bedroom apartment with 10 people in it and um golf was my piece so it's it's always been you know close to my heart and you know I love the game of golf I love where it can take you to people you meet and and just yeah just just being able to travel the world and chase my dream I'm just extremely blessed to be able to do that when you find golf and then trying to turn that into a professional career, Kamaya, mm -hmm. what, what does that pathway look for you if the APGA tour isn't there? Uh, it, there's, I don't think there's no Kamaya Johnson on Golf Channel right now, I can tell you that. Um, just, you know, Ken Bentley, the CEO, just inspires us all. I mean, honestly, um, he's got, you know, you know, a lot of kids that's – that really, really would not be where we are if it wasn't for the APJ Tour. Him and Agent still started, you know, the APJ Tour back in 2010. And 
you know, when I started playing, it was crawling and now it's walking and it's just, you know, it's such a privilege, blessed to be a part of it. Um, this movement and golf and that the golfing world is, is taking on is bringing more inclusiveness and, and more diversity into the game of golf, really making golf look like America. Um, and I think that's what the APGA Tour does really well is make golf look like America. Um, and, and, you know, we played Balsa Straw last year. Um, and the members were so great there with making golf look like America. So I think that's what it's all about, the bigger picture, um, and inspiring others to get into the game. Speaking of the bigger picture, you started a foundation in part to, quote, break down the generational cycles of poverty yeah. and, and despair. How did you arrive at those goals? Yeah, honestly, just really surrounding myself with people who wants to see me win, honestly. Um, you know, I have a team, you know, that runs the foundation, and, and, and they really want to see me win, and they really want to see others get inspired the way I got inspired to play the game of golf. And so that's the only thing we can do is, you know, help kids, you know, play golf for a dollar a day, how I play golf for a dollar a day there in Tallahassee. And Jan Auger was such a huge, um, huge part of my life and, and my success and just believing in me. And that's, I mean, that's kind of where I, I am where I am right now is because, you know, so many strangers came into my life on the golf course and believed in me at a time that I didn't believe in myself. Um, so that wasn't, that's what inspires me, uh, feel, feel failure, you know, inspires me just to keep going. Um, and yeah, and the, and I, I just love, love the game of golf and love, you know, being a part of the APJ tour at, uh, farmer's insurance and later this month. You mentioned the farmer's insurance invitation that we're going to see at Torrey Pines and other companies that have stepped up to support mm -hmm. the APGA tour. Are you sensing a period now where, corporations are prepared to move beyond just noble sentiments and actually put their money where their mouth is and support allyship? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know what, you know what, like, really frustrates me is, is, uh, you know, I was watching the Jones Cup and all these big amateur events, and, and there's no, there's no minority, no black golfers in those tournaments. And that really frustrates me. And, and that's just because, you know, there's no really inspiration um, on TV or anything like that that's getting them into the game. Um, and I, I think that's up to, to myself and, and players like Willie Maddox to do our part and to, so we can inspire kids, so, we can, so that the game continue to grow because I, I think that's the only way the game grows is kids get inspired to play the game and play on the PGA Tour um, and just get, really just get into the game of golf. And, and, and it, you know, you can, it's so many life-changing things that can happen when you, when you involve yourself with this game. Kamai, it's inspiring, your story. It can also be a burden to be a trailblazer, to put yourself out yeah. there in the way that you do. How do you protect your, your mental health, not to mention your golf? Yeah, I mean, I have a psychologist. I have a sports psychologist. I have a, a life psychologist. Um, you know, like, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a dad. You know, I didn't grow up with a dad. Um, so it, it's, 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 it's really up to me um, to, to, to take care of my mental health. Um, you know, and it, it's, it's just important to me to be there and to be a trailblazer to whom much is given, much is required. Right. So, you know, if, if, if that's my job, God puts us on this earth for, to, to find our purpose. And I believe that's my purpose to be a trailblazer and to really to push this game in the right direction and to get my more minorities and, 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 and junior golfers just to play the game at a high level, um, you know, and, and just really get involved. So if, if, if I'm that person, then, you know, I'm willing to, to take on that. Kamai, I always appreciate it when you share your story. Best of luck in San Diego. Hey, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate the time. 
All right, folks, as we go to break, a reminder that later this month, the APGA season kicks off at Torrey Pines with the 36-hole Farmers Insurance Invitational, which features an elite field of 18 players and the final round airing on Golf Channel Sunday, January 29th. on golf today last November in the Pelican Women's Championship Nellie Corda charged ahead in the final round shooting a 64 to pass Lexi Thompson and win the event for the second straight year and with the win Nellie returned to the top spot in the Rolex World Rankings now currently ranked number two definitely a mixed bag for her in 2022 three straight top 20s to start the season and had to undergo surgery for a blood clot missed four months returned at the U.S. Women's Open won a ladies European Tour event in Spain in August and then won that Pelicans Women's Championship in November. And this week, Nike officially added Nelly to its stable of golfers, adding an Olympic gold medalist and a major champ. And that is not all. How about this news? Along with Nike, Nelly has now joined the TaylorMade staff as well. And Nelly is with the media in Orlando now. Yeah, feeling good. Um, didn't have too much of an off season. Got to play. QB and PNC in December took like a week off, but um, yeah, I'm feeling good. Amazing. Steve, you want to kick us off? Testing the new equipment. When did you do it? How did you do it? How are you liking it? Um, I started testing, gosh, kind of in October. Um, I used to play TaylorMade growing up, actually. So throughout my entire junior career, I played TaylorMade. Um, they were amazing when it came to how diligent they were with the whole process of it. Obviously, it was a lot of extensive testing because to make the switch, I wanted to be 100% sure. Um, and my everything honestly went really smoothly. I was hitting every club really well. I think the technology is so good in every company that um, I just thought that TaylorMade was the best option for me going forward. What about the golf ball? Have you seen any difference and what have been the differences? No, the golf ball is really good. It was very similar to the old one I used to play. I'm playing the TP5. I kind of tested the X a little, but I preferred the 5 around the greens, and I was still seeing really great control with my irons, with my driver, and I saw a little bit of distance as well. Nelly always dangerous in the state. Of Florida. You see the tee time, 9.53 a.m. alongside a former pitcher, Derek Lowe, and the fantastic singer and actor and golfer, by the way, Jack Wagner. Still to come on golf dates, head back out to California, checking with Rex Hoggard for a live report. We'll get the latest from the world number four, John Rahm. He gets ready for this week's American Express. And what's the latest in the battle between the PGA Tour and Live Golf? The drama has started early at the LPGA Tour season opener and it's all inside the clubhouse. We'll have the latest on Lockergate. We'll also hear from the man who's playing like the world number one, even if their ranking says he's the number four. John Ram, he's meeting the media today in California. And a deadline has arrived in a legal battle as the PGA Tour seeks to get discovery materials from the Saudi Arabian Public Investment Fund. We lay out the details of that as Golf Today continues. Today. 
Big week in the game of golf as the PGA Tour heads to La Quinta, California for the 64th edition of the American Express. Meanwhile, the 2023 LPGA season kicks off in Orlando, Florida with the Hilton Grand Vacations Tournament of Champions. We've got you covered in both locations with live reports throughout the hour. This is Golf Today. Damon Hack alongside Eamon Lynch, Golf Week Magazine, the PGA Tour out in the California desert and a lot going on in California as well. Yeah, the PGA Tour's got two fronts in California right now. Obviously, there's the American Express Championship in La Quinta, and then in the Northern District Court up in San Jose, there's a deadline arriving today where we find out whether or not there is an agreement between the Saudi Arabian Public Investment Fund, which owns and operates the mm. Gulf, and the PGA Tour in terms of obtaining discovery materials for that broader antitrust action, and we find out whether or not that compromise has been reached. It was a busy 2022-2023, no less busy. Got some great tea times, by the way, out in the California desert. Tony Finau, Scotty Scheffler, how about that duo? 11.41 a.m. Eastern Time, Patrick Cantlay, the UCLA Bruin, with his good buddy Xander Shoffley, 12.14 p.m. Eastern Time, a lot of eyes will be on Xander to see how he's dealing with that back. And then John Rahm and Ricky Fowler, 1.31 p.m. Eastern Time. Damon, John Rahm has started 2023 with a thrilling comeback victory. The Century Tournament of Champions started that final round seven shots off the lead held by Colin Morikawa. But a final round 63 helped him to his eighth career PGA Tour victory. And this week, he's returning to the American Express where he earned his second career victory all the way back in 2018. That year, he defeated Andrew Landry with a birdie on the fourth playoff hole. And with more from the American Express, let's welcome in Rex Hoggard. Rex, I know you spoke with John Rahm. What did you learn? Well, the interesting thing about John Rahm, as you pointed out, this is his first start since that come from behind victory in Maui. And on Wednesday here at PGA West, he covered a lot of ground in our interview. Everything from his dominant performance, really the last few months in golf, to his evolving thoughts on the world golf ranking. I'm just proud of how I finished on Sunday. That's, that's all I can say. You know, I... I gave myself the best chance I could, and then when things got tight, um, I still came through and, and finished with a birdie on 18, right? So um, just proud of the work done, and it usually just makes me realize that how much more there is to be done, right? Like, it's not, work is never finished, and if I want to keep doing these things, I got to keep putting in the work. So it's just kind of a bit eye-opening to how exciting of a year we have ahead of us. You talked about this a little bit in Maui. Is this going back to last fall, the most dominant stretch of your career? It could be. It could be. Uh, I had a pretty decent 2020 right, with Memorial and, and the Olympic fields finish. Uh, 2021 could be or could have been because I played unbelievable. I feel like anybody, anytime I was going to tee up, it was going to be a 66 and gave myself a lot of chances to win. Obviously, we all know what happened, but leading all the way up to the FedEx Cup, I was con contending to win pretty much all summer. Um, top five finishes constantly. Uh, I think that was probably my best stretch of golf, but this has been my best stretch of results, being able to get it done and finish in the tournaments, right? Uh, that Sunday in Maui was the third Sunday of 63 of better I've had since September, two of them being on Sunday to win a tournament, right? The other one almost got me into a playoff. So it's, uh, you know, something to be proud of. Hopefully... I can put myself in a better position to where if I shoot those 62s, I'm, leading, I'm winning by a, by a bunch of shots instead of, you know, waiting to see what happens. 
When you look at your career, you seem to play your best golf on harder golf courses. Torrey Pines immediately comes to mind. This is a little bit different test. It seems like, yeah, got to make a lot of birdies. Do you change your game or your mindset coming into this week? Not really. Not really. I mean, it's still one shot at a time, right, and trying to give your best chance to make a birdie or a low score and move on. Uh, the challenge this week is having three different golf courses uh, in which, you know, being bumps brains, you can get windy, windy days very easily, right? And if you get caught in La Quinta on a windy day, it can actually be the hardest course. If you get a morning like this where there's no wind, it's by far the easiest course, right? So, uh, like everything, golf can be a little bit of luck, but you just need to go out there and, you know, and play good and make birdies. It's, it's as simple as that. You know it's going to take 20 under, if not you know, mid-20s on their part to win out here, so you got to go out with that mentality. I hate to turn to math on this, but in Maui, you voiced your frustration when it came to the world ranking. I don't know if you know the scenario this week, that actually Patrick Cantlay, who's fifth in the world, you're fourth in the world, can move to number one, but you cannot. Is it reaching a level of frustration for you beyond that? That's Wait, news. seriously? That's and possible? That's possible. Uh, you know, after doing some reflection... That could be the first time somebody without winning a major goes from five to, to number one. That could be the case. But it's more, you know, I think uh, a lot of this changes done in the world ranking will make sense once we've completed a two-year cycle. And all the points earned before that are basically recycled to the new ones, right? I think right now, uh, if you divide the year and, you know, before and after they changed it right up to July... You could get a lot more points for limited field events, and then afterwards you don't, right? So the points I would have earned would have been amazing, but, you know, those people before, oops, sorry, before that change in July got to get those points, and it's going to take a little bit longer for those points to cycle out. So that's kind of the conclusion I got to. Uh, I actually happened doing the podcast where, you know, I reached that conclusion. So, uh, you know, winning takes care of everything. So if I keep playing good and keep winning, I put myself in that position. And if Patrick wins and gets the number one, he gets the number one. It is what it is. Uh, if you win a tournament to get the number one, I would say it's well-deserved. Now, you guys obviously heard the surprise of John Rahm's voice when I explained sort of the scenarios this week for the World Golf Ranking. And it, this has everything to do kind of on the divisor. How many events has John Rahm played in this cycle versus how many events that Patrick Cantlay has played in this cycle? But certainly it's something that he's having a hard time wrapping his mind around. And he admitted he doesn't fully understand the new World Golf Ranking, a lot like a lot of other types of players. However, he does understand one thing, winning takes care of everything. Well, Rex, the world rankings is only one contentious issue that the tour faces in California this week. The other one's playing out in the Northern District Court where a deadline is coming around today in this action where the PGA Tour is trying to get discovery from the Public Investment Fund of Saudi Arabia. What's the latest you're hearing on that? Eamon, this goes back to last week's hearing, and essentially what this is about is a discovery dispute that you talked about, and it's between lawyers for the PGA Tour and lawyers for the Public Investment Fund of the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia and its governor. Essentially, the lawyers for the tour are arguing that the PIF has day-to-day -day control over what Live Golf does, including what their budget is, which, golf, which golfers they tried to recruit to Live Golf, and any kind of broadcast or sponsorship deals. Now, lawyers for PIF claim that they're nothing more than an investor and shouldn't be subject to this type of discovery. Now, today's deadline has to do with whether or not lawyers for uh, the PIF and its governor are allowed to negotiate on its behalf. It remains to be seen what would happen after that. Keep in mind, this is an important milestone in this discovery dispute because this is an expedited case. They have this on a quick schedule. That's what Live Golf wanted. And the deadline for written discovery is March 30th, and that's coming up quickly. Busy man, Rex Hager reporting for us at La Quinta out in California. How about John Rahm and his 
reaction. I love it. It's incredulous at first. He's basically saying, say what? Are you kidding me? This is what's going to happen? I'm ahead of Patrick Cantlay? And then he kind of said, listen, I think uh, cooler heads prevailed. I'll take care of business inside the ropes. I'll go about winning golf tournaments, and the math ultimately will take care of itself. Perhaps he listened to Mark Brody when he was on our show last week. Mark Brody, of course, who invented the strokes gained metrics, also wrote the algorithm for the official World Golf Rankings, and he explained how it works. Despite all of these apparent anomalies, the ranking does actually mm. make sense. And John Ram has clearly arrived at that position, and Rex explained it, that it really does come down to what your average points are, given how many events you've played over the last couple of years. And there are still points in the system that are biased from under the old system where yeah. people could declare flagship events on a particular tour or there was a basic minimum number of points they could give to a winner even if the field didn't really warrant that number of points. So th there is a hybrid system going on right now and it's good to see that John Ram's kind of diffusing that issue yeah. because he's, he's now he's reacting less emotionally to it. He seems to have figured out this is what the math is, this is what it, it dictates and it kind of makes sense despite the apparent anomalies right now. Yeah, and listen, I appreciate his emotion and honesty, and I imagine you do too. If I were counseling John Rahm, I'd put my arm around the big man and say, yo, handle your business. You know, go beat Patrick Cantlay and, and Scotty Scheffler. Don't, don't worry about, about the math. You know? See, I would do the opposite. If would I you really? His, if I was his psych advisor, I'd put an arm around him saying, they're trying to take away the world number one <laughs> ranking from you, John. <laughs> Get out there, win every week, and take it back from <laughs> That's them. a good point. Maybe that's how he would best, uh, you know, be motivated. I think he's a highly motivated athlete. I don't think he should get bogged down, though, in those details that he can't control. What he can control is that golf ball, and few people on the planet do it better than John Rahm. And it was interesting listening to him talking about the, the, how this could be the most dominant period. He seemed a bit winsome talking about the, the 2020 and 21 seasons and what could have been, and that there were victories that kind of got away from him, the most notable being the Memorial, where he had a six-stroke lead and had to withdraw with COVID, but feeling that he had a 66 in him every time mm. he stepped onto the first tee. And if John Rahm's got that feeling back again, then it's, it's pretty bad news for everyone else because, you know, he shot a couple of 62s and a 63, as he mentioned, on Sunday. And that got him two wins and a second-place finish. And this is a golf course that is known for easier scoring. So if John Rahm's putter is working, could be another one. If he's comparing his game to wins at Memorial and a U.S. Open at Torrey Pines, look out indeed. Meanwhile... The 2023 LPJ season kicks off tomorrow in Orlando, Florida with the Hilton Grand Vacations Tournament of Champions. And the story out in Orlando has shifted away from golf and toward player accommodations. Last night, Golf Week senior writer Beth Ann Nichols published a piece detailing a lack of locker room access for the players in the field this week. According to an LPJ Tour official, due to the setup and hospitality, the men's locker room had to remain open to the public for the restrooms and that they were unable to create a private and secure locker room for the LPGA players. A plan was in place to order lockers for the week and use an area on the lower level of the clubhouse next to player dining for players in the field. However, the tour itself changed course. This statement from the LPGA saying the Hilton Grand Vacations has been an incredible partner in supporting the LPGA to expand and enhance amenities and accommodations for our players. With the return of hospitality this year, the tournament informed us that due to a need for public bathrooms, there would not be a private and secure locker room available for the LPGA players this week. There was an option presented to have temporary lockers added to a space within the clubhouse that did not include a bathroom area. 
due to the prioritization of space for other player uses, our tournament team made the decision that it was not in the best interest of the players and the event to pursue that option. Players have access to a locker room, although the space is not entirely private. We are always open to player feedback and work with our tournament partners to allocate finite space. We will continue to do so with our amazing partners from Hilton Grand Vacations moving forward. Now, Nelly Corda spoke on the issue earlier today. I'm, I'm sure you saw that their temporary lockers were just delivered here a little a little bit ago. Mm -hmm. what, what does a player-only locker room mean to you? And how important is it to you to have that space? Honestly, I've played this tournament, I think, from the start, I'm not 100% sure, I and we've never had lockers. But to me, this u event is so unique in the sense where that stuff doesn't really bother me. I mean, you're out here competing with different types of celebrities, former athletes, current athletes, that to me, like, this event is so special and so different that something like that doesn't bother me at this event. Obviously, if it would be at a regular LPJ event, it would bother me, but at this event, I think there's so many different, cool, unique stories that, as I said, it just, I didn't even think twice about it. As long as I have a gym to warm up in, arrange, <laughs> I'm very happy. Amy Rogers joins us once again from Orlando. I know you spoke to some of the players. What did they tell you? Hey there, Damon. Yeah, there's been a real buzz here this afternoon, especially amongst the media uh, in regards to Beth Ann Nichols' report last night about the lockers missing. I can report that the lockers were delivered here right about uh, 12 o'clock Eastern time. I saw them loaded up and carted off. Uh, they will be put in the, the ladies' locker room here today, so uh, those finally arriving here on site. But yeah, as you mentioned, I spoke to a number of players here just to get their reactions to the lockers not being available. And, and, and in all honesty, their reactions have been pretty subdued, kind of like what you heard from Nellie Corda there. I also got a chance to ask Annika Sorenstam. She's in the field here this week. She calls Lake Nona her home. And I asked her whether this was a common issue, lack of locker room, lack of facilities throughout her career. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, but I think that every time it's been addressed and every time we've uh, made improvements and, and learned from that, I mean, it's, um, I mean, I think that, you know, when you look at the organization, the LPGA is a fantastic organization in so many ways. And, you know, I think the players is really the first thing on their mind. They want to create a great experience. And then you have sponsors. We want to make sure that they're happy and the fans are happy. There's a lot of people that the LPGA tried to, uh, you know, to fulfill and make, make it, you know, complete and an event. So, but I mean, we all learn from different things and happens along, you know, along the road. And it's just nothing different than any other sport, any other business, any other family situation, right? We all learn and, and just got to move on and deal with it and, 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 and fix it. I, I just don't, you know, let's, um, let's focus on the tournament here and, and let's work together. And, and um, you know, we're up, you know, it's going to be a great year for the LPGA overall. So let's do it together. I spoke with several players on the range here and asked them if this is a recurring problem on the LPGA, not having locker rooms or not having facilities available. And they told me no. You know, several of the players that I spoke with really not concerned at all about the issue. One of the players that I spoke with didn't even know it was an issue at all. And another one telling me, you know, this was clearly just an oversight, likely a mistake. And, and she was willing to be flexible and find another solution. So the players I'm speaking to here on site, not overly concerned about the inconvenience. Amy Rogers talking to some of the players at Lake Nona on this Wednesday. How about Nellie Corda? I, I just want a gym. 
I mean, that, that sounds like an Olympic gold medalist. But but speaking of a gym, I mean, it wasn't that long ago. Remember the NCAA championship and, and, the, and the player, you know, put a photo of what the, the men's you know, gym was like and what the women had in, for the basketball championship by comparison? Those are the images you want to be careful to avoid. That's the, the, the growth in the game that we want to make sure we've arrived to that point. And I think that's why this story um, has the legs that it does. It does. And it was interesting listening to Annika talking about how, yes, it was an issue. It's been resolved. Let's move on. Essentially, let's not focus on this, which is fine. But it is an issue that was created by an oversight on the LPGA Tour's part that has put its sponsor in an awkward position. It's put the host club in an awkward position of being perceived to be unwelcoming in, in a situation that clearly was not their intent to be so. And crossed wires on the logistics side have led to this situation. But it, it's a poor reflection that the solution had to come from Aaron Stewart at, at Hilton Grand Vacations to ship those lockers in that we saw on the driveway earlier. That's a solution that the sponsor ought not to be put in a position and the club ought not to be put in a position where we see this happening, where the, the best players in the world are having these metal lockers shipped in the day before the tournament begins only because it has come to the attention of media that the accommodations were simply not there for them. Yeah, and, and the players that Amy Rogers spoke to might have been subdued. Matilda Castron. You know, Ryan O'Toole in, in Beth Ann Nichols' article were not subdued. They, they were not happy uh, with the lack of communication, transparency, with a, a minimum expectation of what to expect as an LPGA professional in a kickoff event of championship winners. Uh, it's not a good look for the tour. And somewhere, that communication, whether it was between tour and player or tour and sponsor, it was missed. And, and I think it's a tough way to start this year when you ended the, the previous year talking about a similar situation. There is a circle the wagons mentality that exists on the LPGA Tour and with players of any coverage that is deemed to be less than flattering is somehow to be avoided or it's mm. somehow not helping matters. It's not helping the cause for equity and equality. That's a pretty poor attitude to take because what we're seeing today is that Beth Ann Nichols is calling for better conditions for LPGA Tour players and some of the players are calling for themselves. There is an expectation that the LPGA Tour ought to be held to. It should get all the support and advocacy that it warrants yeah. and it does get the support and advocacy it warrants but the details are just not being handled on occasions. Not every week clearly but there have been two high profile cases in their last two tournaments and that just should force some kind of assessment of what's going wrong here in the organization where do we need the resource to better make sure this doesn't happen again and put the tour in that position and we're not doing our job if we're only talking about chevron and the increased purses and the access to muirfield and pebble beach in Baltusrol and not talking about this story as well as journalists that is our job to tell the truth yeah and, and that's simply the the situation that's arisen here you have a situation where the sponsor has to step in with yes. a solution that's entirely on the, PG, uh, the LPGA tour here and presumably we'll hear more from the tour as the week wears on and the commissioner on this subject. It's not a life and death situation. Yeah. It's not exactly a major issue but it does speak to what is a larger issue than it ought to be. And hopefully not a situation they have to deal with sometime later this season.
Let's move on to something that is actually a lot more serious. California has been battered by severe storms this week that have claimed numerous lives. One of the most impacted areas is the Monterey Peninsula. And after the break, we'll check in with the man behind next month's AT&T Pebble Beach Tournament to find out how his community is recovering and moving forward. Back on golf today, it's been a very difficult time out in California recently. Heavy storms have hit the area, 10 to 20 inches of rain, up to 200 inches of snow have fallen in some locations over the past three weeks. And some of the images is powerful. This picture of the famous Lone Cypress on the Monterey Peninsula from earlier this month. It's not far from Pebble Beach and the golf course. You can see some of the waves that have been causing widespread damage and the storms have led to loss of life as well. Steve John is the CEO of Monterey Peninsula Foundation, joins us now. Uh, Steve, you're as connected to this part of the world as anyone. How challenging have the last couple of weeks been? It, it's been interesting. You know, that picture you just showed of the, of the, uh, the Lone Cypress says a lot. That, that, uh, that's a very large wave to get above that tree. It's, it's really been pummeling. The storm's been pummeling the coast for the last three weeks. An average rainfall, season rainfall out here is 18 inches, and that's September through May. We're at 20 inches already. So that, that in itself is, is staggering. But, but the cleanup work, it does go quickly. This, the emergency services staff in the peninsula have done a remarkable job. A lot of the damage, the, the pictures you've seen, um, are really not at Pebble Beach. It's, Santa Cruz was uh, hit pretty hard, the Capitola uh, Esplanade right there and Santa Cruz itself. But um, certainly we don't need a lot more. Fortunately, that it's sunny today and the forecast calls for uh, continued sunshine, which will help the courses uh, drain. Sand capping helps. I mean, you know, the listeners know that all the things that are in place, we have the best in the business with the three superintendents of Pebble, Spy, and Monterey. So I, I'm very comfortable knowing that the courses will be you know, in great condition. They're so green right now, as you'd imagine. But yeah, there's been some there's been some um, some challenges for people, and that's you know our our job at the foundation is really to generate funds to the tournament, and so we've already committed uh, three hundred thousand dollars to to clean up efforts in areas that need it most. I mean, a simple fact is that someone loses in Watsonville, say they lose their their home to flooding, their beds uh, and they can't use their bed. Well, they have to pay to remove the bed. That's so we have immediate funding in place right now. We've already worked. Collaborate well with with uh, with nonprofits in the area to get the funding out immediately to these communities, and that's what we really do best. We we golf and we give. Steve, the, the recovery timeline for the broader communities is obviously going to take quite some time, given the damage that was sustained. The recovery timeline that you've got to deal with for the the tournament coming up next month is a lot tighter. How are things looking in terms of the setup for the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am and how are the courses? The courses are remarkably uh, in, in remarkable condition. I was just out there yesterday. Um, obviously, the, the, the amount of rain in such a short window is tough, but they, you've got the best in the business in Pebble Beach and Monterey Peninsula. So cleanups underway. There was no permanent damage to the golf courses. The damage that was you know went viral was on the 14th hole at the, the Dunes Golf Course, which we don't play. I think that's the photo you're putting up now. And unbelievable. It's already back in play. That should show you what, what experts, the experts we're dealing with, Chris Dahlheimer at Monterey specifically. Um, but the cleanup around the forest, I believe there's 50-some trees that were down at Spyglass. Perimeter, really not in play. Pebble the same. Uh, Pebble, nothing in play. So the damage to the courses are, are minimal, if, it, if at all. 
Uh, we just need the sun to come out and, and with, the, with the course conditions, the preparation over the years leading up to the tournament itself, uh, the, the, it passes through the, the various um, root systems. So, so it, it, it goes away quickly. Um, they're just, they're, they're, they're better prepared for We may have lost Steve John out in Monterey. I tell you, I've seen the community rally in, in this moment. Golf is such a, a hub of Monterey economically, spiritually for that community. And, and Steve is right. The, the people that are able to kind of pull together to, to help people find beds. And obviously the, the work on the golf courses is important as well. But this is really about a community uh, coming together to, to help people in need as well. And particularly the foundation of which Steve is the CEO, which is financed in large part by the charitable donations raised at the AT&T, and that has amounted to more than $200 million mm. over the years at that tournament. He just talked about the $300,000 being used in the most practical sense of having people help with the, the clean-up situations in the surrounding area of the Monterey Peninsula, and I guess that just speaks to the value of tournaments like this at a very granular local level when the need is most that the resources can be found there, and hopefully we see more of that race this year. Charity is such a huge part of the PGA Tour anyway. Peter Jacobson, our colleague, says that the AT&T Pebble Beach Prime is the most important week on the PGA Tour schedule because of the sponsors that are there and, and the interaction that the players have with business folk and with people, celebrities. I imagine there will be a strong push to help the communities. This will be a, a bit of a different AT&T Pebble Beach Prime this year because of how that community has suffered. Yeah, I was listening to, to Jake on this morning with Taylor Zarzar on PGA Tour Radio on Sirius, and he was reminiscing about his times at both the old Bob Hope tournament mm -hmm. in the desert being played this week as the American Express, and what he referred to as the old uh, Crosby Clambake, the Bing Crosby hosted event, which was what Pebble Beach was originally started in the 40s. And he really did have this idea that players need to support those events because in a pro-am tea time or just random conversations, you're spending time and investing some time with a CEO of a company who could be sponsoring a tournament down the road, either the following year or the following week, and that there had to be some kind of give back mentality, that it wouldn't just all be taken. Peter was quite vocal about the idea that what we have in golf now in these conversations about money all the time, it's the attitude is taking. What can mm -hmm. I take from the PGA Tour, what can the tour and the mm. game at large give me, as opposed to what can I actually give back? And what we see from the, the, the proceeds mm. at Pebble Beach is that that money and that give back actually counts for something. It definitely does, and Steve John joins us once again. We're talking about what Peter Jacobson has often said is the most important week on the PGA Tour schedule, the AT&T Pebble Beach program. How might things be different in light of what's happened the last few weeks? I don't think it's any different. I think the message remains that, that this, this is a unique event, and Peter does speak uh, to it beautifully, and that you're bringing the best of the best of the best as far as golfers coming to Pe Peninsula with this, pairing them with the celebrities, uh, high-profile celebrities, and then mixing that in with, with the CEOs that, that make the decisions in the world. And I think it's, it's, it's the secret sauce we have in this tournament, very unique. It doesn't change. I think the mindset of everyone coming to this tournament knows it's about giving back. The commitment that they make when they come to play in this tournament is they're going to give back. 
in ways, some way, shape, or form. The entertainers entertain. The golfers, you know, will play their will play golf, and then the, the amateurs are there for for the right reasons, and that's part as supporting our cause and what we do for our communities that, that so desperately need it, especially in times like this. Steve, for the last several years, you've had the unfortunate point in the schedule where the AT&T has gone up against the Saudi International and the appearance fees being paid over there, and we've seen a lot of players choose that direction. Are you feeling that going forward, you're more likely to see a greater commitment from players on the PGA Tour who won't go in that direction and will actually support the AT&T? You know, I, I don't know how, I don't know the mindset of the players. I can tell you that, um, and Peter, you, you mentioned that, I'm glad you brought up Peter's name. I've seen so many occasions where the players have picked up a logo on their shirt because of our tournament. Uh, David Lipsky has Fortinet on his shirt from, from our tournament last year being paired with the CEO of Fortinet. It happens here. It can't happen anywhere else. I think the players have to recognize that, the value of our tournament. It's not just coming to Pebble Beach, which is remarkable, but it's what you're going to get out of it, who you're going to meet. You can't walk into a CEO's of a Fortune 500 company, sit there for three days straight, potentially four, for five hours. You're not going to get that. It won't happen, but it can happen at the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. That's the uniqueness of our tournament. That's what we can offer. Steve, when these storms hit, you were the one person that we wanted to speak to. Thanks for sharing the stories of rebuilding, and we'll speak to you soon. Great to see you both. Thanks, Damon. Right, Thanks, Steve Damon. John, CEO Appreciate of the Monterey it. Peninsula Foundation, and has noted the PGA Tour in California right now, the beginning of its West Coast swing that includes a visit to Pebble Beach in the first week of February. We're thinking about the folks along the Monterey Peninsula and surrounding areas.